Welcome to the Property Management Show, a podcast brought to you by Foreign Tough Marketing Agency for Property Managers. Today, we're going to talk about property management and HOA banking. So we invited Allison DeSaro and Ken Carteron from Enterprise Bank and Trust, formerly Seacoast Commerce Bank, because they are the experts in the industry. They'll talk a little bit about the bank merger, but also cover FDIC insurance, compliance, and also why you should be wary about those introductory bank rates that sound just too good to pass up. Whether you're already doing PM and HOA management or just thinking about delving into one or the other, keep listening because this episode is for you. It's less than a week before the virtual PM Grow Summit 2021. Do not miss one of the most highly anticipated conferences in property management. This event is brought to you by Four and Half in partnership with Enterprise Bank and Trust, formerly Seacoast Commerce Bank. Go to pmgrowsummit.com to register today. See you there. And now back to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you, Allison, back on the podcast and Ken. It's your first time. Welcome to the Property Management Show. Thank you. And, you know, to people who, you know, are listening and you are a new, a new face, can you just give a little bit of an overview of who you are and kind of how long you've been in HOA banking, all that good stuff? Sure. Well, my name is Ken Carteron. I'm with Enterprise Bank and Trust, formerly Seacoast Commerce Bank. This is uh, my fourth HOA bank now. Uh, I've been in HOA banking since uh, 1992, which is hard to admit, but harder to admit is I've been in banking in general since 1980. So this being my 40th anniversary in banking, um, I welcome this opportunity. Um, The HOA industry has just been my life basically since 1992. Uh, um, One one association manager uh, said that Ken Carteron will has forgotten more about HOA banking than anyone else will learn in their lifetime. So I take that to heart and I try not to forget anything in HOA banking, but this is, this is what I do. I'm self-admittedly very good at it. And uh, so my clients say the same thing. And Allison, welcome back. So you are now the face of property management banking for Enterprise Bank and Trust, formerly Seacoast Commerce Bank. How does it feel? It feels good. It feels really good. Um, You know, I am by nature a pretty skeptic person. I'm the first to admit that. I am a don't move my cheese type of person, but we've done, we've had enough time together um, since about August, I believe. And I've known of this bank for a while anyway. So um, I'm very happy to be with them. I'm very excited. Um, All of my skepticism has been totally proven wrong, thankfully. So um, I'm excited to move forward, but um, yeah. So happy to be here. That's great. That's awesome. And, you know, just for our listeners um, who may or may not know of the merger, um, can you Mm -hmm. give them a better idea of like, you know, the merger's impact to customers, if any? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the impact, first of all, will be on, on any of our current customers on February 12th, we'll be converting into their online banking system, which is really the most basic way to say it. I mean, certainly they're going to be moving into enterprise, but that's a lot more background stuff, meaning like they're going to become enterprise customers. Um, But but what they're going to see, the client-facing impact will be the online banking. And 
it is certainly, you know, going to be a change, but I will say it will be a very positive, positive change for them. Um, I'd like to give you a little bit of context and color, if you don't mind, about where Seacoast um, was prior to this change. So Seacoast, um, you know, we've been very, very successful in basically becoming, like you said, like the face of property management. Um, and we have had no problem growing, that is for sure. But I will say very candidly, there were things that we were missing, right? Like we had the great the great benefits. We had the we had the um, analysis credit. We had the high rates. We had the compliance and the team, all of which I think was really just the the main driving factors of the success of that division. But what we were missing, um, which now I can say, was um, was honestly our product suite. We didn't have as sophisticated of a product suite as I wished for us to have, um, and. You know, a lot of people don't really understand if you kind of relate it back to property management companies, for instance, like if a property management company uses that folio, they're kind of locked in to that system, right? We were locked into our, our online banking provider, which we really call a core provider that basically runs everything for the operations of the bank. But to the customer, that really just means online banking. Um, we were locked into that. So we, while, you know, myself or Ken or Rachel or Tom, any of our other relationship managers would try and advocate for another software, so to speak, we weren't going to make the investment. Um, it would have been a big change and a very large cost, and we were locked into a contract. So the nice thing is their product that they have, their you know software, is actually what we wanted. It's that, like the actual product that we wanted, all the demos that we sat through, everything we begged for, that's what they have. So the reason why I think it's important to say that is because when our customers move on to that product, that's going to be an, a positive impact. You know, as we, we've already merged, but as of today, the customers haven't merged. That's happening in February. Um, and I think everybody's going to be, honestly, I think they're going to be blown away by the, the expansion of the product, the sophistication of the product, and even with the sophistication of the product, the ease of use. That's one of the things I've always loved about this product, even prior to um, our merger with Enterprise, was that it, it had, again, for lack of a better word, a more sophisticated feel to it, and there's more that you could do, but it still felt like you could log on and figure it out, right? And you don't see that with a lot of softwares. Yeah. So I think they're going to love that. But beyond that, Everything that they loved about their relationship with Seacoast is there. I mean, they, we are literally creating the same property management, HOA, specialty banking wheel within enterprise. Um, we're not being absorbed into another um, property management or HOA group into enterprise. We're creating it all there. And it's going great so far. I feel like we are in fantastic hands with our leadership team. And um, the biggest thing of all, I'd say, is that they listen. I've noticed that. They've treated us with white gloves, us as in our specialty deposit team. Mm -hmm. um, and they've really listened to what we need, what, you know, we, we made this very successful and they know that. And so I see a very promising future with them. I'd like to add just a little bit onto the end of that. Um, being in banking as long as I have, this is not my first merger. And I've been through some really horrible ones. Um, or to a point where I just couldn't stay at that bank. There is no reason on the planet why 
I should leave this bank. The everything we've been handled with kid gloves. I mean, they are coming to us asking us, how should we do this going forward? Which is not something I've experienced in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, just doesn't happen. I mean, they absorb you in, you get to be what they want you to be. Not in this case. We're being absorbed in, but we're being asked, what can we do to make this better for you than what you had before? Yeah, it sounds a lot like yeah. collaboration. It's not just like, because I think the, the, I, uh, the image that comes into mind when you say absorb is like one small entity gets absorbed into one, but it sounds mm-hmm. like, you know, they're actually collaborating to figure out, hey, what's the best way to make this happen? And just seems like the stars align. Like that's um, kind of technology yeah. you guys, or platform you guys wanted happens to be what enterprise has. Um, mm-hmm. And so to kind of balance the scales, right? So we, we heard a little bit about um, what, a customer should be excited about. Um, how about you guys? What are the things that excite you most about the merger? Um, and just to balance the scale, if there was one thing you could change, what would it be? You want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I did just tell you a lot of stuff that excites me, but I'll say if I had to name one other thing besides what I just said about uh, what excites me, it would be the flexibility. So they have a lot more flexibility than we did, whether that was with lending or with products, right? So um, I'll stick to the product part. They have, while we are just like any other bank, you have your core provider and that's a third party. They actually own it in-house and we have several, and I will, don't know if I'll remember the amount, but uh, we, they, we, Enterprise, have several on-site programmers. So in-house programmers who can build those integrations, which is what we're working on, we're, so that's coming very soon, um, the integrations into other softwares and an expansion of the product of suites that the software already provides. Um, I'll let Ken say what he's excited and then we can move on to what, um, oh, the, what we would the, change. I gotta think about that. The, the, the HOA lending product at Seacoast was, mm, it was there, but it wasn't what it could be because our lending limit was so small due to the size of Seacoast. Now, we weren't a small bank at Seacoast by any means, but we just didn't have the lending limit that some HOAs need. And with the enterprise bank's lending limit, now the HOAs that come to me and say, hey, Ken, can you lend me $10 million, which are completely unsecured loans, I, I don't get laughed out of the the conference room by the underwriters. I can actually present a package and it will be looked at and eventually accepted by the enterprise team of lenders. So that's just super exciting to me because now that opens up another venue that I get to a, another product per se to provide to my, my clients. Uh, the integrations that are possible now with other software companies that the HOA clientele use is there and the programmers on staff are going to be able to to get us through that very quickly as opposed to waiting for our core processor to get us on a list and get us even looked at six months from now. So those things that weren't there before are now there at our fingertips. All we got to do is ask for it. And now, what, what don't what we like? Change? Yeah. <laughs> what would you change? Yeah. Nothing's I, perfect in the world. Uh, yeah. No, Absolutely. I think that Ken and I would both agree, I, I think, that the thing that we would 
change, if we could change anything, and we've been very vocal about this from the very beginning, is to keep the Seacoast name. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Seacoast name in the property management and the HOA industry, with all due respect to all of our team members that they came on afterwards, is because of myself and Ken. We're the ones who brought that in and, and started that, those divisions and, and, you know, got them off the ground. And, and I think that it's just going to be tough. You know, we, we don't want people to think, oh, Allison left Seacoast, Ken left Seacoast, or, um, you know, all of a sudden think, where's Enterprise? I mean, if I really stop and think about it more, or who's Enterprise, I'm sorry. If I really stop and think about it more often than not, people are saying, oh, call Allison DeSaro or call Ken Carter on. And the name isn't really there, but it's still sort of like our security blanket. And I think that we wish that we could have kept it. With that said, we know, um, even outside of, you know, property management or HOA banking, we know banks in general. We know that Enterprise is a great name and a great reputation, but it just may not be as um, prevalent in, or it's not as prevalent in the, the our respected industry. I, yeah, it'll I, take some time to get catch on. Sorry, Ken, go for it. Yeah, no, that's all right. I'm just gonna say I completely agree with Allison. I mean, we're both on the same page here. You know, if we could have kept our name, that would have been awesome. But we can't, so we're gonna move on and mm -hmm. and just it's the bank of Ken and Allison. So I mean, it's yeah, tax for getting all the other good stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah, great. Absolutely. And I think within the property management industry, a lot of property management companies also consolidate. And I think they could, they should kind of empathize with that idea that, yeah. you know, changing names happens a lot in the industry. Um, and then they keep the same team. It's the same kind of strategy. But for one user or another, they have to change their name. Maybe they, they change their vision or, or something, right? And so I think thinking of it that way could be helpful for people to kind of understand that, Hey, it's literally just a new name. It's the same. Yeah, it's thing. a very normal thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, yes. But I will clarify probably, probably more so for legal reasons that it is not just a new name. It is a new bank. It, I mean, it isn't a, a new executive team, new ownership. I mean, a lot of our executive team moved over as well. Um, it is we're, we merged into a bigger bank, but the team, which, you know, we're certainly not our own entity, but I always like to kind of compare that to an entity. The specialty deposit team has sort of acted like its own entity within the bank for years, and we're creating that wheel over for enterprise. That sounds exciting. Mm -hmm. um, so to kind of um, go back to the topic, can you expound more about kind of the, the differences, like HOAs? million years ago needed to be trust account needed to have trust accounts now they're just like reserve funds can you elaborate more on the fdic um aspect of that like what are there any differences yes i can and and, and they there are differences the fdic covers currently is two hundred fifty thousand dollars per tax id number so uh, um, an hoa an association will have two accounts and operating in a reserve account and those accounts should not go over the $250,000 limit. It, they can and they do because operating funds go up and down throughout the month, but it, all in all, they try to maintain a $250,000 limit. So it's our job to now find a place for the rest of these funds because HOAs, they don't just have $250,000. They, they could have millions of dollars on deposit mm -hmm. and they have to scatter them over banks to keep them within the $250,000 limit. Well, we've come up with products that will help that. 
um, the ICS program, which is an insured money market fund, allows us to place all their excess funds into one set of accounts that are then deposited throughout the United States on, and consolidated onto one bank statement so that the management company, when it comes to doing their financials at the end of the month, they only get one statement. All of the accounts are listed on that one statement and each of them are insured up to that 250,000. Um, there are other products out there that other banks will use. ICS is just our product of choice because it, is, it blends into the normal money market account. So there's a sweep between the regular money market account at the bank and the ICS. So if they need the funds, it, it flows smoothly on a nightly basis. Do you mind kind of, elab kind of elaborating a little bit on ICS? I'm not sure I'm familiar with the term. <laughs> <clears throat> well, it's, ICS is insured and it's, it's an insured money market account. So it's 100% FDIC insured up to 250,000 per account in the ICS program. It's, a, it's almost like, a, it's like, almost like a, a broker account where all the funds are in one location but split up into several different accounts at $250,000 each so that they're all completely insured by the FDIC to that $250,000 limit. Gotcha. So you have several that are insured up to $250,000 separately. Correct. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I think it's important to clarify, though, that the bank doesn't, you know, the best way to picture it in very, very layman's terms is it's like, imagine you're the banker and you're holding on to $750,000 for one HOA. So that's one tax ID. You physically at the bank are holding 250000 of that. Then there's a suite beyond that to disperse 250000 into, essentially, in this scenario, two other accounts, they are actually held at other banks, but this bank manages it through a product called ICS. That makes sense. So the, yeah, we can't makes... create a new tax ID number for that HOA, so we have to send it out, really. I mean, send it out is really just the lamest way that, you, that I could say it, right. um, but they are essentially sending it out, but managing it, just like if it were a brokerage account, like Ken said. Now, the difference here between HOAs being able to do that and property managers being able to do that is a whole, it, honestly, it's a completely different world for property managers. A, you hold those funds into trust. Anything into trust would be insured over 250000 as long as the bank sets that up correctly because each beneficiary within that trust account is insured up to 250000 Beneficiary could be a tenant or a property owner. Now, with HOA accounts, you can't set it up. Homeowners are not considered trustees. The Homeowners Association is the entity itself. So while we may be banking a management company who may have 35 associations, for instance, they're now going to have minimum 35 accounts but under each tax ID number. Usually, they'll have double that because they'll hold reserve accounts for that um, HOA. That makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask that next, too. Yeah, so property managers cannot take advantage of this ICS product, um, mainly because it's out of compliance in almost every single state, um, but also because if the bank has set, set them up correctly, then they shouldn't have to worry about it anyway. It's very, very rare that a property manager will be holding over 250000 for one owner. 
Um, so it doesn't really apply to them. And, and I will say that if a bank tries to put them in that because they're complaining about not having enough FDIC insurance, then that's probably a red flag that the bank didn't set them up right. Mm-hmm. And so for companies, I think this is really relevant. There are a lot of discussions um, online of property management companies trying to get into, um, you know, HOA management. And so knowing mm-hmm. that like there are big differences in the two is really, I think, helpful if they're thinking of getting into that side of the field, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. To kind of educate yeah. yourself before you jump into, and now you have the funds and you like don't really know where what to do with them or how to properly handle them. Yeah, and I will say that, like from my experience, and Ken Ken could probably speak to this as well as his own, but from my experience, what I where I see that mistake happening is normally when, like you said, a property management company is going into HOA because that's where they can really mess up. Usually if an HOA company is going into, or an HOA management company is going into, you know, third-party property management, um, while they may want to, if they set it up their, their, you know, preferred way like HOAs normally do, it wouldn't necessarily get them in trouble, but it's just not really the trend. But if property managers try, try putting HOA accounts into a trust account, then that's certainly messy enough where they can get get into trouble. I think, yeah, I think that's really important, especially if anyone's thinking into getting into property, uh, into HOA management, because I think a lot of the thinking is, oh, I need to learn how to do it, like, you know, how to mm-hmm. deal with board members and everything. But I don't think people realize that they also have to educate themselves on the financial side. It's almost like an afterthought time. sometimes. Yeah, like, I'll just go to my ba- bank and mm-hmm. they'll know what to do. Um, right. Yeah. And I do talk to a lot of people that are like, oh, I want to get into it because why not? There's a lot of opportunity here, but it's kind of like making sure that you have all your ducks in a row before taking the dive. And this is obviously a very important duck. Um, it's money. And you may also right. find that certain different states have different laws when it comes to who signs on these association reserve accounts. So mm-hmm. like in California or Nevada, the property manager can't sign on those reserve accounts, not even as a secondary signer. It has to be the association board members that are responsible. Mm-hmm. And those board members are sometimes one-term board members. They'll turn over right. annually, and then you have to get the signature cards redone every single time. So if you go to your local bank and say, hey, I want to open this account, and then you forget about it, and then you want to close this account later, those signers don't exist anymore. That's where the problems come in. So you want to be at a bank that actually understands the HOA industry in order to open these accounts properly and then, and then manage them properly as well so that you're, you're not running into a problem when you get around to closing those accounts later in life. Yeah. So is there some type of process for that on your end where you are communicating with the HOA management companies on an annual basis or something saying, hey, here's what we need to do to make sure that you are set up for success for the next year, you have the right signature, whatever that may be? Well, unfortunately, the, we don't get all the notices in the world that the board has changed over. Um, We kind of rely on the management company to know that their board is changing over and to let us know. Mm -hmm. Um, And if, if it's a a management company that's just starting out and they, and they're not familiar with the the process of the accounts, 
they may not understand that if the board changes, the signers on the accounts will change because they're used to the fact that we sign on everything. In, in most states, they can, they can sign on the operating accounts and so they can, they can go status quo with the operating accounts. It's the reserve accounts that have become the problem when mm-hmm. boards change over. Yeah, so it's more about education and making sure that they're set up for success in that sense, which is very important too. Absolutely. When choosing banks, I know a lot of people choose banks based on rates. Um, could you speak to that? Like, I think that's just the most common thing. Um, we always tell our clients, because right from four and a half marketing, we're a marketing company, we help our clients. Um, you know, we help property managers get more owners. And a lot of times, um, owners just look at the star rating or the rate because they don't know anything else about property management. So on the other side, when property managers or HOA managers pick banks, they're like, well, I don't know how to compare banks, maybe rates. And so what would, how, how would you um, recommend people go about um, assessing which bank would be a good fit for them? Yeah, well, I'll say, I'll, I'll start. So I'll say that, you know, the industry is certainly rate sensitive, um, industries, especially HOA. Um, but, you know, what, if we're talking about analysis rates, which is what gives them back the credits and not interest rates, if we're talking about analysis rates, I think it's really important for people to really do their homework. Um, you know, we're lucky in the sense that we see statements from banks monthly, right? Like dozens of times a month when we're bringing over new clients. And it really is, really can be used as a smoke and mirror tactic for bankers when they're talking to clients. Like I will give you an example. So a, a banker could say to you, I will give you 1% on your um, balances. But if they're talking about analysis accounts, which is where you get the credits, then they're not, they're not actually, 1% sounds great if that were interest. But because you own analysis accounts, you have to first offset your transaction fees. It, you don't know what that's going to equate to. There, any bank, banks can choose their analysis fees to be, you know, $100 a month, or they can choose for them to be $1,000 a month. So you really have to do your homework because at the end of the day, the growth rate doesn't matter. So the conversation should not just be what's your ECR, for instance, or what's your analysis. It should be, what am I going to net out at the end? And they won't know that unless they can actually, you know, do your transactions for you. Or I'm sorry, view your transactions. Um, so that's important. You, you know, you want to do your homework on the actual account. What does it look like for you specifically? And then I'll also say that when it comes to rates, if you say a bank, because we've seen this, I mean, Ken, you can speak to this, especially in the, the specialty field, specialty banking field. If you see a bank come out with a high rate, you should really wait to see what happens with that. And not necessarily because it might be like a bait and switch for that one customer, but more so because if that bank is, is all of a sudden putting out high rates, it's probably because they need an influx of deposits. And that's because, you know, they're lending out too much, which is great. And that's, if that's their, you know, consistently how it is, then fantastic. That's the type of bank you want to be with. Um, but if that's just a phase and then all of a sudden they get an influx of loans, they're gonna, not going to need those deposits anymore. So I think it's really important to, view the history of the bank, talk to references, see how long they've been with them, the length of these, you know, rates um, offerings. And at the end of the day, I truly think that, you know, while rates are important, and that's a given, I mean, we talk about rates all the time, and 
It's certainly one of the more attractive features about banking with us and always has been. Um, at the end of the day, it's just so much better to be banking with a banker who really specializes in your industry and knows, you know, your needs, your compliance, your product needs. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard me use this joke before, but like, for instance, I, and I can speak the same for Ken, especially, um, I'm more in that industry than I am in my own industry. So um, I think that that's important. You know, you don't get that turnover relationship manager. Yeah. Yeah. And I could add on to that. I mean, the HOA industry has specific um, organizations that almost every management company in the country will belong to. And if the bank that you're, that is offering you this great rate or great earnings credit rate to bring you on board is not also a member of this organization, they really don't know the products. They don't know the type of service that um, needs to be provided to you. So while they can provide you this great, we'll call it an introductory rate because they're not going to leave it there because they can't sustain their own bank by leaving it that high. Um, they may not be able to service you to the capacity that you need. So I have a question. Um, given, given technology these days, historically speaking, um, business owners liked having a local bank or a local branch, something that they can just walk into, right? Um, do you guys think that that should be the norm nowadays or what are you seeing um, with online banking versus like local branches? No. So, you know, that's, that is definitely a common um, question or comment that, you know, I've gotten in the last 10 years, especially right. because Seacoast has never been the bank that has a branch in every corner, but you usually get those questions from somebody who hasn't been with, like, especially on the HOA side, because there are a lot more HOA specialty banks who hasn't been with a specialty bank before, um, because you will see that almost every bank out there that is considered a specialty bank, for whatever that specialty may be, they're not the bank that has a branch on every corner. They're not, like, they're, they're not internet banks by any means, and neither are we, but they're, they have limited number of branches. They're not dependent on their branches. Um, the branches just kind of check a box for them. Um, so that question doesn't come up as often as it used to. But I will say that, you know, when you are working with a typical bank, whether that be a consumer bank or even a business bank without a specialty focus, a lot of times if you're worried about your branch, it's because you like to walk in and you like to talk to somebody who knows you by face, right? And you know, it's a little bit different. Sometimes, like, I could be, today I was talking to a client in North Carolina. I'm not in North Carolina. But um, but at the end of the day, there's usually a high turnover in those types of positions, uh, usually like a branch manager or a new accounts person. And they also can't make decisions for you on your account. So when you're dealing with executive-level relationship management, um, you're getting those decisions made, right? Like, there isn't a big ladder for us to climb up, and that's nice. And that's also... You know, it, while walking into, if you could walk into a branch and see me, I'm sure you'd be, you know, happy we can exchange niceties all the time. But it, it, it's not necessarily, it's not necessary. As long as you have somebody who's paying attention to you, your business, um, and kind of fills that void for you, as well as also has the expertise and, like I said, direct access to the decision, um, I think that's more important. 
Yeah. So in the case of your bank, it sounds like there are fewer hoops to jump through. Also, if you're going directly to you, then feeling happy going into a local branch and see, yeah, it's more efficient that way. Yeah. I mean, our customers call our operations team all the time. Uh, They're absolutely fantastic. I love our operations team. Um, Or they could walk into a branch if they wanted to, but at the end of the day, if there was a question or decision that needs to be made, they would have to come to us. Yeah. And I've seen, I mean, I've heard people say before, I've, I've been banking with the same company since my dad owned the business and I know them so personally and so well. Um, Do you find that with HOA management companies as well? Or is it just that those types of situations don't have the infrastructure to hold up? Well, you used to. Um, The the HOA management companies would bank with whatever bank was closest to their management company because they had to walk the deposits in every single day. With the technology advances over the years, that's not necessary anymore. I mean, we're going to give you a scanner. You're going to scan those checks in to the specific accounts that it belongs to. If you need cashier's check, you're going to send us an email and we're going to FedEx it to you overnight. It doesn't matter where you are and where we are. And you're going to send that, those requests to me. And I'm not even anywhere near a branch. I haven't worked in a branch in 20 years. And even at Seacoast, I mean, I was only there for the 10 years that I was there, but prior to that, I was at another bank and I still didn't work in a branch. It wasn't part of what was necessary to help them run the business. What they needed was hands-on from their account manager to help them manage their associations, make sure that their boards were happy. It's not a, oh, I need to go to a branch. Even though the boards will say, hey, I need to go to a branch, I just ask them at board meetings all the time. When was the last time you were actually at the branch? I mean, do you know the, do you know the branch manager? At the local Wells Fargo? No, they don't. They really don't know who it is. They talk to Susie Teller to yeah. use a phrase. You know what I it's mean? It's just something people something people think they have to do without really thinking about it. Right. It's like the it's like the unknown. It's like you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. You don't, they don't really know what they're missing out. And and to that point too, I mean, I certainly don't deal with that with landlords because they go directly through their management company. But right. you know, over the years, over the last several years, we the H the board wrong and kind of got away from that feeling like they need to be doing the banking they rely on their property manager to be doing the banking anyway and the management companies are very familiar with the type of products that they can use to facilitate that um i don't know ken if you mentioned lockbox but a lot of hoa management companies use lockbox and with and ken can speak to what that is because he's definitely well more versed in it than I am. But with Lockbox, you don't have the option of going into the bank. If you're, if you're using Lockbox, you have to, to do it electronically or through the mail. Yes, correct. I mean, the Lockbox products are, um, at every bank that does HOA banking, they have a Lockbox provider, whether it be in-house or a third party. You're going to mail your payments for your HOA dues to this Lockbox. And you have more than just the option of mailing paper. The lockbox companies now have the ability to accept your credit cards and or your debit card to make your payment. You can set up through your own home banking and have the check or the electronic payment sent to the lockbox from your own home banking. So there's no need for a homeowner to go into a branch to make a payment 
or to go to the management company for that matter and drop off their check. Everything should go through the lockbox. And that's just for safety, security. You don't want those checks going to a property management company and then they lose the item or the mail loses the item. And electronic is probably their, your best bet these days. Anyhow. Yeah, thank you, Ken and Allison, for sharing all those insights about the differences between HOA banking and property management banking. Now, I'm really excited because both of you are going to be at the virtual PM Grow Summit conference next week as our conference partner. So um, do you have a message for people to come visit you? Yeah, yeah I, I'll say I'm so excited. This has PM Grow for the last few years since it started, since its inception, has always been at the top of our list or my list, I should say, because we actually didn't introduce the HOA division to PM Grow. Um, this is our first time doing that. So I'm very excited. I'm very excited for the setup. It looks like we're basically going to have two sides of the booth, property management HOA. So um, I'm excited to have Ken there. I think that he's going to be a huge fan after it's over and done with. And I think it's important for people to know that, you know, it's not just property management, because like you said, these companies are expanding. They're expanding into HOA as well. So come say hi to us, please. Um, we can talk about our specialty. If you're a current client, we can talk about the merger. We can talk about anything you wish. We have raffles. Um, and if you're HOA and PM and you're mixed, don't worry. We will make sure that you're talking to the right person. Um, and we look forward to it. We're very, very excited. That's great. To our listeners, thank you so much for sticking around, and we hope to see you at PM Grow Summit next week as well. 